Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, March 10th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, with the state a signature away from extending postpartum Medicaid coverage, medical leaders examine what it could mean for Mississippi. Then, a Senate Democrat attempts to add tighter regulations to TANF spending, but the chamber votes it down. Plus, a conversation with the 2023 Poetry Out Loud state champion. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The bill that will extend postpartum Medicaid coverage from two months to 12 months is on its way to the governor's desk. Tate Reeves changed his tune on the bill last month when he tweeted that he would sign the legislation if it passed. Now pediatricians in Mississippi are calling the bill's passage a victory for moms and babies. Anita Henderson is a pediatrician in Hattiesburg and a past president of the Mississippi chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics. She reflects on the grassroots movement to secure postpartum coverage with our Lacey Alexander. We are absolutely thrilled that um, Speaker Gunn allowed a vote for a vote. We are appreciative to Speaker Gunn, to Chairman Joey Hood, um, to Representative Missy McGee, who presented that bill and spoke on that bill and explained that bill. So we have been advocating for this for years. Um, We have talked with the governor's staff a number of times this summer explaining our position and how um, this bill would positively impact mothers. We're grateful that Governor Reeves came out recently in support and and explained that he felt like it was a good bill, it was necessary, and he would sign it. We also are grateful to Drew Schneider, director of the Division of Medicaid, who uh, wrote a letter to Speaker Gunn explaining the division's position, explaining that it is not Medicaid expansion and um, introducing and, and, and supporting the bill. So a lot of things really happened quickly in the last week. Uh, some were unexpected, and I think all of those things moving together, along with a press conference that was held uh, the week prior, organized by Mississippi State Medical Association, um, grassroots efforts, from medical students, from physicians, from community organizers, from moms, dads, grandmothers, and grandfathers in Mississippi. Um, We know the majority of Mississippians support this. We know that they want to improve the health of their mothers, their daughters, their children, and their families. So this bill had bipartisan support, and we are absolutely um, thrilled that it has passed. There's much work to be done now. We, we look forward to working with the Division of Medicaid on making sure this is implemented seamlessly so that moms have those benefits. We look forward to working with our physicians throughout the state, OBGYNs, family medicine doctors, pediatricians, to make sure that our moms understand the importance of this 12-month postpartum care and that moms have access 
Yeah, and obviously we can't live inside the governor's brain. There's no way to know why he kind of went back on his original thoughts or statements on postpartum Medicaid. But as a professional and as someone who, like you said, has seen the effort of the grassroots organizations like trying to get this started, why do you think the governor went back and made a statement of, you know what, never mind, maybe this is what we need? I hope and I believe that um, he saw that this was something that was supported by the majority of Mississippians. Um, This is something that is supported by every state in the union um, now. Uh, We were the last state to pass some form of health care for moms in the postpartum period. Last week, Wyoming passed 12-month postpartum care. Um, And now every state either has 12-month postpartum care or full Medicaid expansion. I think that um, there are many out there who who looked at a lot of things that have been happening in Mississippi over the last year. The fact that rural hospitals were under um, financial stress, the fact that there were a number of labor and delivery units and neonatal ICUs in the, in the state that had closed. Um, the fact that we in a post-Dobbs world are expecting more deliveries. I think that... Um, Whatever turned the needle, whatever changed uh, the governor and others' minds, we're grateful for that, and we're grateful that this bill passed. Now we have to move forward to make sure that the implementation improves health outcomes, and we have to make sure that we are supporting hospitals, supporting clinics, supporting physicians and nurses um, to make sure that now those moms that have health care coverage are actually going to be able to utilize services. And from your perspective, what are some details of an ideal utilization of this new policy? We would like for a seamless transition. We want moms who have whatever their health care coverage is in the pregnancy period, whether it's Molina, Magnolia, or United Healthcare. We want to make sure that there's a seamless transition in that postpartum care period as well. Um, We want to make sure that they understand the importance of that first postpartum visit. Um, Right now, in many areas, only about half of mothers actually utilize that six-week postpartum visit. In states that have passed 12-month postpartum care or states that have passed full Medicaid expansion, those numbers are better. So we really want those moms to get in for that postpartum visit. And then if they have any chronic medical conditions, high blood pressure, diabetes, postpartum depression, we want them to utilize their services with their primary caregiver, which in most cases is going to be their OBGYN, but in some instances may be a family medicine doctor. We want to continue to work with the Division of Medicaid to make sure that reimbursement for physician services is adequate so that we have enough providers who are willing to accept Medicaid in the postpartum period. We also have to work hard to get some um, physicians in those rural counties. Over half of our counties in Mississippi don't have a pediatrician. Over half don't have an OBGYN. So we are looking to recruit and retain pediatricians and OBGYNs in our state. We are also looking 
to recruit and retain family medicine doctors in those rural areas and educate them on issues related to pregnancy and newborn health care. I want to go back just a little bit. You talked about how we were one of the last states, if not the last state, to pass certain postpartum health care policies. What about the makeup of the medical ecosystem in Mississippi makes us kind of last in those rankings when it comes to stuff like this? So prematurity um, and infant mortality and maternal mortality and morbidity are really complicated health care issues. They relate to poverty. They relate to transportation. They relate to access to health care. So women who are routinely traveling an hour to get to the OBGYN or an hour to the pediatrician are less likely to utilize those services in a timely fashion. Um, and so I think that that having those services now, um, having them available, you're going to have to make sure they are utilized. In terms of why were we the last or, or um, have been one of the last to utilize uh, 12-month postpartum coverage or Medicaid expansion, I think we are in a political climate here in Mississippi that in some um, in some people's minds, Medicaid is like a four-letter word. They don't want to talk about Medicaid. They don't want to use Medicaid um, to improve health. We are in a situation in Mississippi that we have to do something to improve infant health. We have to tackle the problem of prematurity and improving the health of moms while they're pregnant, after they're pregnant, before their next pregnancy is the best way for us to do that. As the state that's number one in infant mortality, number one in preterm birth, number one in low birth weight rate, um, we have far to go, but we know that prematurity is the leading cause of infant mortality. So we have to address and um, try to reduce those preterm births. This is the first step in the right direction towards a healthier Mississippi. Anita Henderson is a pediatrician in Hattiesburg and past president of the Mississippi chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics. Coming up, a Senate Democrat attempts to add tighter regulations to TANF spending, but the chamber votes it down. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. Please join me and my colleagues for the Mississippi Arts Hour, where we have in-depth conversations with different creative Mississippians. That's the Mississippi Arts Hour, Sundays at 5 on Think Radio, or download it as a podcast. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. It's made possible in part by contributions from podcast listeners. Please consider making a contribution by going to the Donate Now tab at mpbonline.org. Thanks for your financial support. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. After Wednesday's major deadline for general bills, the legislature turned its attention to a number of appropriation and budget bills yesterday. 
It was then the Senate took up the House's appropriation for the Department of Human Services. Investigations and criminal trials have been going on for more than three years surrounding the embezzlement of federal welfare dollars by former DHS officials. Senator David Blunt, a Democrat from Jackson, used the debate to offer an amendment that would more clearly direct how temporary assistance for needy families or TANF funds can be spent in the state. This is another attempt to focus the attention of this body and on the public on the TANF scandal that has dominated the news in Mississippi uh, for the past two years. The use of TANF by the department is a scandal. It's not just a scandal because of the illegal activity of the prior leadership that we all know about. It is the misuse of TANF funds, while legal, that is not being used to help the people who need it the most. TANF stands for Temporary Assistance for Needy Families. However, needy families are getting almost none of the money that is sent to the state for TANF. For the two years that I have uh, the most recent numbers available, the state gets a little more than $80 million a year in TANF. We spend either 50 or $57 million, leaving the rest unspent. Of that amount, more than half, $30 million, goes to Child Protection Services. Obviously, that's an important job, and we appreciate those folks, but in my opinion, that is a general fund obligation of the state budget. It is not the proper role of TANF money to go and pay staff positions of CPS. That's what the general fund is for. We spend $4.5 million on administration. We spend $15 million on something called fatherhood initiatives. We spend $4 million, roughly $4 million out of more than $80 million actually gets in the hands of poor people. What the amendment would do is say that the maximum amount allowed under federal law, which is 30 percent of the TANF funds that come to this state, shall be used for child care. That program is so parents, primarily mothers who are poor and have children at home, young children, can take those children to child care and go to work. In my opinion, that's the best possible use of TANF money. Kevin Blackwell, who sponsored the bill in the Senate, doesn't disagree with Blunt, but the Republican from South Haven still recommended the chamber vote down Blunt's amendment. I think, uh, and just in looking at this, the short time we've had it, it's probably not a bad idea, but I'm going to ask you to vote it down. We have a reverse repealer in the bill, so, and, and Senator, I'll be happy to work with you on this. We don't know the impact that this is going to have on the department, so again, I'd uh, ask you to vote no on the amendment. Okay, we're ready for the motion, Senator. I appreciate Senator Blackwell's remarks. Uh, this is something we all need to watch. We need to leave this session having done something regarding TANF and the Department of Human Services, having the legislature take charge of this program and set it right. So I move adoption of the amendment. The amendment failed, and lawmakers can now only address the issue in closed discussions during conference. Coming up, a conversation with the 2023 Poetry Out Loud State Champion. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. 
We know you love MPB Think Radio to stay informed, but sometimes you need a little music to relax and unwind. MPB Music Radio has a variety of genres and is with you all the time on the MPB Public Media app right on your mobile device. Bluetooth it in the car or pop in your earbuds and take a listen to MPB Music Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Mississippi has a new Poetry Out Loud state champion. Yesterday, Edward Wilson, a senior at Jackson Prep, took the prize during the three-round competition held here at MPB. Following the event, Wilson talked to our Michael Guidry about his Poetry Out Loud journey. I first started doing a lot of poetry interpretation type events uh, when I started speech and debate, which was in the ninth grade. Uh, And I thought, this is pretty cool. Um, You can put your own spit on it. Uh, And then I learned that we were going to have that as a required event in ninth grade for our English class. And I said, well, what an incredible way for me to extend what I'm already doing uh, into class. And that's, that's where it started for Poetry Out Loud for me. So you began competing at the school level in ninth grade. Uh, did you do it? I mean, is that something you did every year? Yes, it's something I've done ninth, 10th, 10th, 11th grade year. And this is the first year I've actually won the school competition. So the first year you've won the school competition <laughs> is also the first year you won the regional competition and the state competition. Well, how do you process all that? <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, the, the thing is, I mean, we've prepped produces incredible, you know, uh, winners. You know, last year's winner was a prep person. We've had a good number of winners in the last 10 years. You know, the the school competition is fierce. Uh, but to be completely honest, uh, the main issue for me was memorization. Uh, and once I got that down, I was able to, you know, really get a handle on a lot of other things. Uh, it is a bit jarring going through so many steps at once uh, just this year. But I feel like this year I've made the decision that I want to do this. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take it, you know, and so that's helped me really stay calm with with it all. So what was the the tipping point that kind of got you over that that memorization hurdle? Was there any kind of like one particular practice that you kind of were able to identify that get you there? <laughs> well, uh, one was the outrage at my for my English teacher last year because um, I mean everyone thought it was my year to win it uh, last year and that didn't happen um, because I didn't memorize. Two was you know. Like a lot of seniors, I realized this is my last year. You know, the things you do now, this is my last time I'm going to be able to do these high school-type experiences. And Poetry Out Loud, Speech and Debate, you know, a lot of the other things I do, I've really taken a stance of I want to finish off strong. And when I look back on this year, I want to be happy at what I've accomplished. So when it comes down to uh, to selecting, I mean, there is an anthology you choose from. Um, it is a recitation performance. What are the things that you consider? I mean, because this, I mean, it's someone else's words, but it's it's your voice. Uh, how, how do you find the intersection that of those two things that, that make the perfect piece for you? Um, I agree 100%. And I do think, just personally, one of the the things that fails people sometimes in poetry a lot is the, them picking something that I don't think fits them. Uh, and I think that the poems I've picked are all poems where I understand them 
I can understand the experiences that they're talking about, you know, the loss in the first poem, the love that, you know, was unrequited in the second poem, the third poem being, you know, just about just a belonging, you know, I can feel those things and I can understand how to say those, the words with that type of feeling and that emotion, because I feel like I have experienced those things too. And so let's talk about your first poem, which um, we, we will play uh, at the conclusion of this conversation. Um, in more detail, what led you to pick it uh, and where do you find your voice in it? Yeah, so the first year, that's actually a throwback one. Uh, it's the one I picked ninth grade year, uh, and I haven't picked it since, but I picked it ninth grade year, and it was the first time we had the assignment. And to be honest, the first time I picked it, it's a B. Uh, the order for the anthology is in alphabetical order, and it was one of the first ones that came up. And I was like, let me get this over with. Uh, and when I read it and another one that was um, like it, but I was like, wow, this is deep. This is This is a very real poem about what you've lost and what you've caused to lose those things. And I said, yeah, I can do this. Um, so those two things combined made me pick it. And this year I felt that I hadn't given enough justice as a ninth grader. I feel like in the time since I've personally felt that that type of feeling um, from things that happened in my life and that I could do it better. And so that's why I brought it back. This being the 2023 state champion means a trip to Washington, D.C. Uh, aside from competing and, and hoping to win, what else do you help to get out of a trip like this? Um, what, I, what, I, what I try to get out of every time I do traveling, you know, with speech, with speech and debate and other type of events, I want to understand what other people are thinking about and how they're interpreting these poems. Um, because, you know, it was very eye-opening to me last year. I went to a lot of outside tournaments last year, and I would go, wow, there are other Edwards in the world. Um, and it's they're brilliant, a lot of them, uh, particularly the really artistic ones. And I want to see how they're taking these poems and the emotion they're putting into them. And I want to be amazed by it. You know, as much as I want to win, I'd love to win. I want to also be uh, very much enlightened by what I see. And I know I will be because the competition is really great um, from the people who get to that level. And I think it'll be fun. Well, congratulations and thank you for your time and uh, good luck in Washington. Thank you so much. Beautiful Wreckage by W.D. Earhart. What if I didn't shoot the old lady running away from our patrol? Or the old man in the back of the head? Or the boy in the marketplace? Or what if the boy, but he didn't have a grenade? And the woman in Wade didn't lie in the rain in a mortar pit with seven Marines just for food. Gaffney didn't get hit in the knee. Ames didn't die in the river. Ski didn't die in a medevac chopper between Kantian and Da Nang. In Vietnamese, Kantian means place of angels. What if it really was? Instead of the place of rotting sandbags, incoming heavy artillery, rats, and mud, what if the angels aims and ski, or the lady, the man, and the boy. And they lifted Gaffney out of the mud and healed his shattered knee. What if none of it happened the way I said? Would it all be a lie? Would the wreckage be suddenly beautiful? 
Let the dead rise up and walk. That was 2023 Poetry Out Loud state champion Edward Wilson. The full competition can be seen on MPB-TV Friday, April 28th at 7.30 p.m., again Sunday, April 30th at 4.30 p.m., and on Thursday, May 4th at 2 p.m. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.